2: Hey, 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 Blog Talk Radio, welcome to today's broadcast of the Jesus and Paula Show. We are here for a very special segment kicking off today's Jesus and Paula Show. First of all, let me ask you, have you been following the daily apocalyptic broadcast? And if you haven't, why not? Okay? You want to go through Dr. Price's uh, Facebook and scroll down? And in the videos, you can go right to the videos. We're also uploading them on our God's Royal Network channel on YouTube. And you can also go and watch and get caught up on what she has been saying on the apocalyptic prayer broadcast weekly, daily. You're getting some sort of daily bread from Dr. Price. And I tell you what, we have like 29 episodes, 29. Tomorrow will be the 30th, 30th broadcast. Can you believe it? We were quite productive in quarantine. We added, to our, we added to our numbers daily with what we were doing. And in the midst of that, as a reminder, June 17th through the 20th, right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, is our Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. You want to make sure you can come. I tell you what, I looked up in our uh, enrollment list and I was like, oh, the number jumped substantially from the last time i saw this the saints are coming we will not be stopped we will not be moved if we can gather in stores and we can gather in all kinds of other places then we can certainly gather for the lord jesus christ and so we will see you here in tulsa oklahoma for the tulsa prophetic training institute we have returning with us prophet hakeem and naeem collins i tell you what they are two blow torches as far as prophets go, they just light us on fire. Wonderful compliments to Dr. Price's mantle. Chief Prophet Tala Price, Apostle Nona Parker, Prophet Tamira Alexander, myself, I'll be speaking as well. And I tell you what, that we are really stepping into a new place in God. We have been learning about the hard reset, hard reset, hard reset. And I don't know, maybe we thought uh, a lot of the emphasis was on reset and not enough on hard. Because I'm thinking hard is where we should have stopped. <laughs> it's not just reset. Hard reset. And, and we <laughs> have been reset the hard way, not hardly reset, hard reset, with our culture, our society, our finances, ministry, ministry, did we ever think one we would be at a place where we would be told we're not essential as a church in the united states and then when we have a president who says i'm deeming you essential we get mad at him church we're in trouble we're in real trouble if we're not essential and then labeled and deemed and enforced as essential And then we still have a problem. You can't tell us what to do. So this is why we have a hard reset right here. The Lord has to reset us as the body of Christ. And I want to highlight something else that has rolled out of Dr. Price in the midst of all this. And we've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks. Her newest book, Assessing Your Prophetic Self. I'm thinking this is a perfect time for a book like this to be on the market. Assessing Your Prophetic Self. Discover and Train Your Gift Prophecy. We like to stay on that discovery piece. Let me discover my prophetics. I can prophesy in a weekend. Listen, I was in one of those activation things. And I tell you what, it was only once in my life. And I thought, no, that's not true. I was in two in my lifetime. Two. And that is a scary thing when someone tells you to pray in tongues and then just say what you hear. I mean, who knows what that might be? And so what I love about this is discover and train 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 your gifts of prophecy dr. Paula price author of the prophet's dictionary prophet's handbook prophecy God's divine communications media this is a primer a timely primer on prophecy this is where we are this is what we face and this ladies and gentlemen is how you take the lead you take the lead by leading people with education Not just revelation, not just something flowing out of you. It's just, oh, man, I feel a move of God. Because you know what? A move of God keeps moving. And once he has moved, you know, the glory departed, the cloud lifted, the fire by night went out. I mean, once all of those things dissipate, what do we have left? The Lord did not just leave Israel with signs and wonders. He left them with the law. He left them with something to hold on to and to follow. And so we have, again, assessing your prophetic self. Let's see. Assessing your prophetic self shows you how to assess your prophetic self and why it is healthy. Somebody say healthy, healthy to do so. This primer informs and instructs you on divine communications, prophets, and prophecy. That's the first bullet. Assessments and their value to prophetic criticism and judgment. Yes. We need to be assessed. And when you study scripture, the way it is written, and not the way you have heard it talked about, or how you read it, or your personal version that lines up with your belief system, you will see that prophets were criticized and judged all the time. And not just that judgment that we like to talk about, they threw me on my church, you know, because they don't want to hear the real word of the Lord. No, that judgment that assesses, are you actually accurate? How to view and explore your prophetic self as well as the prophetic in others. What general and prophetic assessments contain. How to isolate and determine assessment elements. And how to build simple assessments. This and much more. And what I love about Dr. Price's books is you can never, ever, ever judge a book by its size. Forget cover. Size. Okay, it's like, oh, it has pictures in it and everything. And then you start reading, you're like, wait, what? I need to read that part again. The Spirit and Letter of Prophecy. This is where a lot of us get stuck. This is where we have fights. What's the Spirit of the Law versus the Letter of the Law? The Spirit of Prophecy versus the Letter. She says, prophecy is sight, sound, and verbalization. Prophesying by the Spirit of God blends his sound with words reminiscent of his ancient text. So for those of us who think, those of you, because us here don't think that, those of you who might think, why is the Bible really relevant for contemporary prophetic? Yes, because this is what the Lord is standing on. Our office, and if you have, uh, uh, where is it, before the garden, God's eternal continuum, we are in the prophecy continuum. We have to stay in the flow of what God is doing. It's like if you give an instruction to somebody and they give it to someone else, and in midstream they change the instruction, Guess what's not going to happen? What you said. It's, it's some, some things we make super, super deep and really wacky spiritual, and God is very practical in many, many ways. Thus, carefully selecting the right terms and phrases to compose and deliver prophecy is wise, and as she's already stated, which you'll have to read what she already stated, prophetic people are smart. Ah, not just spiritual. You're smart, too. Combining the right tones with the correct words typifies the spirit of prophecy and what may be called the tenor of the message. If you say to someone, mom said, come here. Oh, okay. Versus mom said, come here. One sounds like there might be a surprise. The other sounds like there might be a whooping. The tone and tenor of what you say something communicates what the words actually mean which is why again we have to know the Word of God to know his tone his tenor his temperament what he has said and why he said it so when we communicate divinely when we prophesy we are not just prophesying the words but also the spirit of the message that is being sent the tenor of a thing speaks to its mood tone gist or drift its sense of meaning and thematic intent becoming adept at this leads to an accomplished sense of prophetic judgment man an accomplished sense of prophetic judgment I have a we have a friend who edits some of Dr. Price's work and and he said the most interesting and somewhat challenging thing about editing someone like Dr. Price is she is literally creating a new language And so when someone is creating a new language, you have to sit down and lean back and think before you use your old methods of editing or evaluating to determine if what they've written is accurate. Because by the common standard, you might say, oh, no, no, you don't want to say that. But when you step into the realm of a trailblazer, you have to shift your brain and your mind and say, we are crafting and shaping an entire new line of thinking. When we had Microsoft and it first came out, we – icons. Icons, icons, click on the icon, click on the icon. Do you realize how many things now are commonplace language? You can have a two year old run your computer and your house from the phone at two because they're born into this level of brilliance and this way of doing things. Now put a touchstone phone in front of them and they're like, What is this? I don't I it does not compute. And so now we're in a new age, we're in a new era, and in reading these types of books, we have to put on the mind of a trailblazer. We are blazing a new trail. Now, it's a new trail to our generation. It is not a new trail to God, and that's what we have to connect. What's new to us is not new to God ever. Nothing is new. There is nothing new under the sun, which means there's nothing new to us from him. It's, It's recycling. It's repeating. And so when something seems new to us, it is old to God somewhere. I'm sure heaven is laughing, the fact that we have to plug everything in. Look at that. Oh, electricity. Are we glad we gave them electricity? Man, that was nice when we released that invention, that revelation opened up, how to harness all this power. And we're still limited with what we can do with it, as powerful as it is. We were in the house last night. The light, the power went down and went back up. Power surged somewhere. It was like, hmm. Our building today, the AC was off in the top five floors. Whew! It's high in here. we got to go. Can't survive. And in eternity, as advanced as we think we are, we really do have the audacity to think we're ahead of God in so many ways. God is ancient, which means he's old. You know, I think about the Lord. I think about my great-grandfather and trying to explain things to him and how they are right now and on and on it goes. And that's really how we treat God. We give him the granddaddy complex, the great-granddaddy complex at that. He's the great-granddad sitting in the old rocking chair, not the king sitting on the throne. No, no. It's an old old recliner. He's just laying back and, you know, letting all the angels do all the work. And maybe he sends Jesus out every now and again. But really, it's us that gets everything done. I mean, this is how we think. We think that granddaddy, great-granddaddy God is sitting up there while we're doing all the hard work and we're living in the real world. And he's like, please, this is already passed away as far as he's concerned. We just haven't caught up to our own ending. The etymology dictionary says the word semantics comes from 18th century roots that define it as the science of meaning in language. I ask you, what prophetic person would be disinterested in the knowledge of language's meanings? When Dr. Price writes in the book that prophets are smart people, this is also what we're talking about: smart, educated, informed, not just spiritually enlightened. I'm just waiting for the lights to turn on. I'm going to go in my prayer closet for six hours and sound deep and spiritual, and come out with one word from God. No, highly, highly, highly educated. When you look at man, I, I tell you what: if we really read our word right, we will be able to see the job descriptions, the position descriptions. Of these prophets, a Daniel and who he was in the nation, the empire. Nebuchadnezzar was king of the world, as far as everybody was concerned. And he was over that, Samuel, over a nation of people, not a mega church congregation where he would just come up and give a word on Sunday and bless the people and maybe say a prayer, have a presbytery, and then go on his merry little way. This is a man that raised up a nation. He inaugurated its first king. He was the commander-in-chief until Saul. And we don't think of it like that. Because when we say commander-in-chief in our nation, we think president. And we get a very clear picture of what that means. Oh, so you were running the nation. And not just preaching to the nation, and just speaking the word of the Lord as we understand it today. And so she breaks this down. And we have a word cloud here, eight specific prophecy types, actuating, activating, predictive, intercessory, and then you have to buy the book to get the rest. I tell you what, this is a list I've been waiting to show up in books for years. When I met Dr. Price, she had the eight types of prophecies, the 12, are the 12 elements here? Way down. way down. Ha ha ha. Yes. She broke out some old secret sauce in this book. And so I want you to get it. Assessing your prophetic self. I'm sure we will be hearing something about this in the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. So you want to make your way here. Let's see here. He speaks, and it is so. Keying into your prophetic self. Do you know? Your prophetic self, do you know the dynamics of your mantle, whether you are a gift or an officer? Do you know how God really uses you or what he could do with you? How about sharpening your skills? Are you interested in public safety? We teach you about public safety. We unleash prophets. On people like there can be no consequences to the people on the receiving end. We spend so much time talking about how the prophets get kicked around that we're not focusing enough sometimes on protecting the people that we're touching. How are you prophesying? How do you know that's God talking to you? Well, I just know. How do you know? Because we tell people, well, that's between me and God. That's personal. Well, if that's personal, then you need to keep your ministry personal to you and maybe your family. But this is public, and public means it's not personal anymore. We're public officials. We're public leaders. One of the hardest lessons that we had to learn early in the game, and uh, we had leadership classes with Dr. Price before she turned us loose on anybody, and then once she did, we were on probation forever. And sometimes I think we still should (laughs) be. (laughs) And <laughs> so one of, the, one of the things she taught us was you are a public official, a public figure. So the privileges of privacy that we are accustomed to having as ordinary church folk, we'll just say that, ordinary church folk as in non-leaders, are gone. Just like our city officials, even our teachers in our school, anybody who has a job in public, And then you're leading people in public. The privileges that we had when we were not in public, gone. So when you have your friends who are not in leadership and they can do this and they can do that and they can go here and they can go there and you were with them until you got in this position, that's when you begin to feel it. We have a class in our foundational studies called Private Devotions versus Public Ministry. And it is probably, Rachel's like, oh, yes. Yes, we do. And that's from one of Dr. Price's first leadership books. I believe that's where it came from. That's when I heard it, that I remember, uh, where she taught the difference between your life with Christ and your private devotion versus how it is in your public ministry. Huge, huge, huge difference. When you are in public, in the public eye, everybody has an opinion about everything you do. But guess what? You can get upset about that until you think that you have an opinion about everybody in public in your life. How they walk, how they talk, their attitude, do they say hi to you, their hair, if they're a woman, their nails, their shoes, their belt buckle, it doesn't even matter. Everybody has an opinion, and you have to be okay with that if you're going to be successful and actually enjoy your life in the public eye. And so when you step out, the level of responsibility, everything you say is weighed Sometimes you could be bustling and hustling down the hallway and not see somebody. You didn't say hello. They've taken offense. The next thing you know, it's all social media. It's all around the place. You're like, I did, did I pass you? And then you don't want to make them feel bad and say you didn't even see them. But I, I was just so focused on what I was doing. I was, I was running. Did you see I was running? I was in a hurry, but Hey, some people don't understand that. They just don't. And that's part of life in the public eye. This book is so essential in harnessing and sharpening your gifts of prophecy, and I would say with any ministry that you have, because we all need to understand prophecy as saints and ministers and leaders, but shifting us from that public, this is how God worked with me and I did with him, and we had our thing, we had our flow, and now I'm in public ministry, all the rules change. All the rules change. I cannot, I'll i give him another lesson that you gave us, Dr. Price. Is that Okay. Okay. Another lesson that we had, in this is inside, you know, mentorship moment declassified from Dr. Bryce. Another lesson that she gave us years ago was in being very wise as leaders in what we post on social media when we are having fun, just chilling out. um, Sometimes with some of the church members or each other. And she said, "I, I highly recommend because there's a difference. I know sometimes people don't think so, but there's a difference. In mentorship, when your mentor is recommending and giving wisdom versus laying down a rule, she said, I really recommend that you pull back on posting and sharing when you're out with certain people in the congregation. Now, this was, uh, this was quite a few years ago at this point
1: uh,
2: and because what it does is it can communicate to the people who are not with you. These are your favorite people. These are the only ones that you hang out with, and on and on and on it goes. So you can begin to cause risks in the congregation without even trying. Now, you may have bumped into somebody in the store, taken a picture in line together. You both have your cup of coffee. But it looks like you're spending more time with them than you are with somebody else who's been trying to get a meeting with you for three months. Because it's always going to be the person who's been trying to get a meeting with you for three months that sees that picture. Now, see, I knew, and they said they didn't have time, and on, and on and on it goes. And so we learned. I think most of us learned. Some of us may have learned. I don't know. To be very wise. And so you'll see on my social media, very few personal, Now, If I'm out of town, I will post probably more pictures, being with friends and whatever, because it's not a tall So much so to the point that people will ask me, do you have a life outside of ministry? I have three lives outside of ministry, I think. It feels like it. Because we never see you do anything fun. No, you never see me post about my private life. That does not mean I don't have one. You just don't see me post. So you're not really sure. And that is wisdom. It's called discretion. You have to, I'm not talking about that secretive under the table, that is discretion. Because the last thing we need is for a drama among the saints. And causing division and imagination and and all kinds of things. And, and again, I, I bump into so many of our church folk out when I'm out. We almost had church in the store the other day. There's <laughs> a major clear sale at one of the department stores at Delta. I said, well, we have the, and the, how you doing, Seth? A Ashley, Hi. Hi. <laughs> okay, but I'm shopping over here. Bye. I'm leaving y'all. Plus, my my department was (laughs) on. So we have those kind of things. But even that, you have to be wise because it can look like we all, I called them up to go shopping with me. Even if I posted, look at who I bumped into in the mall. Somebody's not going to think that's true. Yeah, right, because then I saw you hug them after church on Sunday and have a 10-minute conversation, and you just waved at me and kept going. And private devotions public ministry huge huge hard reset unless you were raised in it and then you have a consciousness about it and awareness and you have been groomed and even that's challenging because then you're a kid and you're like i just can't be a kid because my family is high profile in the ministry or in the company or in the business and then that that just breeds <laughs> a whole other thing that follows you in your life about even those moments being robbed from you where other kids can just be kids and you can't and that's the truth that is the truth. My pastor's grandkids growing up, one time somebody had to tell them to stop running because they were running with all the other kids, and he came down on them with both feet, so to speak. He said, why did somebody have to tell you to stop running? Well, because I'm eight, and I want to run with all the other kids. No deal. No deal at all. So you have the perks, and you have the payment for the perks. And in, in leadership... Which is why, again, I think everybody, I know, you all need to get this book to groom you, to school you, to shape your mind, to shift your belief system about what it takes to be in public ministry. The weight of responsibility, thinking before you speak, not having knee-jerk reactions. How does God think? How is this supposed to operate? What am I supposed to do with this whole prophecy thing? Wow, human, oh yeah. Yeah, we did talk about that the other week. All of the word clouds This is great Your prophetic pedigree index When you finish this book I tell you what You walk away You should walk away With a heaviness A weight of responsibility Knowing we are responsible To keep the accurate prophecy continuum going This is heavy This is heavy We want to keep it fun, we want to keep it play, we want to keep it exciting and charismatic. This is heavy responsibility, which is why we train here that it takes no less than 10 years to make a quality profit. Not being called to the prophetic, not being installed in the prophetic, but but getting and rising to the top of your game. And I would say to the bottom of the top of your game. You just getting started good after a decade of doing something. I thought I was really doing something after being here for 10 years. But let me tell you, I'm really doing something after 20. You you take 10. Jesus, I know, the next decade is going to be dangerous. Look out, devil. All right? <laughs> because we have some work to do right now. We're going to do it to you. But it's not about just the, and, and let me tell you what, there are perks, there are thrills. There are opportunities, open doors, friends that you can make connections that you have, but you have got to be willing to pay the price. And sometimes paying the price is actually buying a book, buy the price, (laughs) a dark price, and studying, reading, humbling yourself, coming off your high horse thinking that you already know everything because you think you've heard everything. When people say, but I've been doing this for 10 years. Have you been doing this for the same level of 10 years as your other career? Have you just been serving in the same church for ten years? Maybe two maybe okay, we're let's say you're church twice a week. Not you don't count how many hours you're in church. I count how many minutes you're standing there executing your office. Mm-hmm. So you could be in church for two weeks but actually only ministering for fifteen if you're not the lead minister. Prayer line after church maybe thirty minutes. So we're talking about maybe one hour of dispensing a week. Maybe three. If you have midweek, you have a small group, maybe you're the intercessor in the church, maybe three, let's just say. Five I'm being generous. Compared to the forty, fifty, sixty hours a week that you did, how many years of schooling or training, on the job training compared? And so when you begin to compare the two, you realize, oh wow, I really I'm in junior high in my ministry. And you're a doctor in your career. Huge difference. So today we continue to delve deep into wherever we're going with the one and only Dr. Paula A. Price. She is going to take us to another place. And, God, I want to make sure that you have your notebook, your slap cloth, your bell, your coffee, your water, and your neighbor, if you are not socially distanced from them. (laughs) Throw an air elbow, an air high five when she gets going good. But then you, you know, you've been one of our um, our
1: professional
2: professional advisors Mm -hmm. for how long? I've been an advisor for uh, maybe 12 years.
1: So you would say that you have probably serviced, what, 100, 200 clients, five over the years? Oh, yeah. Sure. but I notice you always ask the same question when people tell you they've done something for X amount of time. I notice that you have no problem saying, okay, so when you say you've done it. Right. And because the church rides on the, 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 the present mm-hmm. intent. Yeah. And also um, helps or, or, or periodic assistance yeah. for credentialing. And that's what the book is really about. What what do we really credential? Mm-hmm. What are we calling a credential? And I noticed that when you do that, as you just shared, people think, you know what, I, I thought I was an expert in this. In other words, yeah. I thought I was an expert at the door greeting. You mm-hmm. greet once a week, and if you're in a rotation, maybe once a quarter. Right. But you've been in the church 20 years, so doesn't that count? Mm-hmm. And so I think that listening to you say that as an advisor, mm-hmm. Uh, how often do you think people come to an honest realization of what God requires versus
2: what they what they gave them over the years? Well, that's a great question. To the people, you know, I'm just going to walk over here. Come on. So boy. you're going to see all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah, we got some, you know, we do have a wall behind the scenes. We have lights, camera, action. Okay. Because I know everybody wants to see you. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, the people who want to do it the right way. hmm say wow you're right and it makes so many things make sense yes why they aren't farther along let's just say prophetically since we're talking about the prophetic why they aren't farther along prophetically why they have the problems that they have maybe doors that they've closed that they didn't realize they were closing yes yes because they thought they were just being themselves prophetically and not being unprofessional or doing what they saw or doing what they saw and to the people who are really a very, very small percentage because uh, the small percentage are the people who say, I don't care what you say, I know mm-hmm. who God called me to be. <laughs> very small percentage because by the time someone gets to the point of taking an assessment, mm-hmm. usually they're there because they want to do better. Good point. They want to know where am I? Where am I strong? Where am I weak? Why do I mm-hmm. keep having these cycles? And so even though your knees are knocking when you're taking <laughs> it, because you're like, oh, my goodness, this is really a prophetic examination, which is something that we have preempted yeah. in prophetic training, yeah. It's yeah. prophetic examination. And we're saying is not even possible. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're showing that it's possible, yeah. doable. And so they come. I would say, honestly, 98% of the people – I've had in all of the years do this because they're ready to go to the next level of excellence. Exactly.
1: But that's because if that's the case, I want to talk about something else you said. Because, see, we, you know, when you are on staff at an organization, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, when you're holding a high seat in that organization, you are, you're not only admonished, you are um, required to be selective about your social media. Is that true? Well, oh, that's absolutely true. So we, you know, our leaders have been told over and over again that whatever you put on social media, people don't distance back from who you are in our organization. That's true. And a lot of you churches, you feel like, well, it is theirs. No, it's not theirs if they're on your staff and you have to answer for what they post. Absolutely. And that's absolutely. what people don't recognize. When you are in a position mm-hmm. or in, on your staff, whatever, and it's, it's a high one, like in our cases, the profits, you have to give – first of all, you have to let them know you want to post it. And then they have to tell you it's okay to post it and when, because they have to prepare their organization
2: for the effect of, or backlash yes. of what you post. Well, let's look at all of the – we could take um, TV personalities, I said TV personalities, anchors, chefs, cooks, whatever, who have posted maybe racial comments. Sexist comments offensive comments in general mm-hmm. in the last let's just say seven years fired fired Fired, fired. hands down mm-hmm. anchors been on there for 10 15 years gone, gone out the door on one comment One post that jeopardized the entire organization because you
1: represent your organization a lot of um, a lot of you 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 say things and people your pastors and your leaders have got to answer for what you say or what you post on social media. They also have it, there are people who are like, you know, I'm thinking about leaving or I'm leaving or other major changes that affect the organization, and they post them anyway. Sure. And when they post them, the leader, they don't come back and say, you, uh uh-oh, look at you moving up. Isn't that nice? They don't stop with that. They come to me and say, well, did you know? And what does that mean? And what does that mean to me? What does that mean to my service? You know, and we we've seen people do that, both yeah. immaturely, rashly, impulsively, because it's about them. well yeah, and, and yet we are we've been answering for something like that all week long. Yeah, yep. we've been answering for that yep. because somebody who's sitting in a high seat thought, hey, it's my life, it's your life when we let you go. Until
2: then, it's our life together. And that's well, we can say that's corporate America. I mean, and that's business. That's big business. That is accountability mm-hmm. uh, beyond, again, beyond self. It, it is. Oh, he was connecting. oh, it was. I didn't know it was doing that. It just oh. took a second. Okay. Beyond self. And, again, private devotion, public ministry, mm-hmm. or public office. And your
1: private life. Your, if, you, if it's your private life, it needs not to be on a public venue. Mm-hmm. And if it is, then it's because to me, and this is what I'm thinking when I wrote this book, that's That's okay. Over there. That's okay. It'll be it. We share their vote. Oh, she said there's one. In, oh, we have one in my <laughs> little... But when I wrote this, it it has to do with us doing better in our public seat, mm-hmm. with us doing better occupying our seat and, and and understanding that no matter what you feel, you cannot have... Even God said you can't serve two masters. Jesus also said if you want somebody to trust you with your own, he watches what you do with someone else. It's true. And so... We have to start doing better because people are looking for your public self. I used to tell you all in training, I said, you know, it's nice to hang out with them, have coffee with them, you know, go to socialization. I don't have anything against that. I said, but I will tell you one thing. They will never forget who you are officially. They may not tell you. You'll drop a piece of gossip. You may go in. Tell us, um, give them a prophecy that you thought was off the cuff while you had a piece of hamburger in your mouth and, <laughs> and whatnot. And True. you know what they're going to remember? You as an official. They don't you care. And, and, and that's why a lot of times you've heard me say, okay, first of all, this is not God. Right. If I'm going to say something that I want to be received in a casual context, in a non-official context, i say, this isn't God. Or I'm not sure this is God, but this is what I'm seeing. The Holy Ghost has Paul write things like, um, I believe I don't have any specific judgment from the Lord, but I believe I have God's wisdom. So I let them know if I'm running on God's wisdom, if I'm running on God's judgment, or am I running on God's historical pattern of handling this or that, yes. or if I'm giving you a spontaneous divine communication. You want this book yes. because all of those kinds of things are answered in this book. A lot of you are in ministries who let you go or took you out of your seat and you didn't know why because we were taught you couldn't really measure prophetic and how dare you say it wasn't God, blah, blah, blah. But if you put it in the context of a public office and you begin to study the behaviors, the protocols, conduct, demeanor, mentality, consciousness, of of an occupant, of a public office, like you said, how we feel about our public officials. Yeah, sure. You know, if you put it in that context and you realize that the the, the divine communications part or the prophecy part is just a, it may be central to it, but it is not it, Mm -hmm. then you'll understand what your leader is saying and why your leader said I can't keep you here because you keep putting me in positions where I have to, Answer for your initiative, your independence, your whatever, um, and individuality. Now, some organizations don't care. We are a world-changing organization because you change world by changing consciousness, mm-hmm. and you change consciousness by changing concepts. So we have been working in this a long time. So we, in our organization, we have to make sure since we're laying, since we're crafting the pattern. Would you agree? You yes. know, with a, we're crafting the pattern, and we're consequently laying down the steps and the roadmap. We have got to make sure that, that people distinguish us from what has become the norm to the
2: new norm. hmm Yeah. And when you're when you're new, I mean, for years, Dr. Price faced attitude and backlash because we weren't huge. Big numbers require that. Smaller numbers don't. I mean, who do you think you are to require that of me? And you're only, you know, or at least you're not thousands strong. Mm -hmm. And so here we are today. And the fallout of that, years have played out in other ministries, and now it's like, well, we need standards. Well, we need protocols. Because we had leaders who were committing adultery in their churches, and people were abusing children, and there was no uniform way to keep anybody accountable, and it was every congregation under their own. And you that's had, how you see it versus how I see that's it. That's right. That's your opinion. That's your preference. That's not how my anointing works with God. That's not what he told me. And after that, and once we got to church hurt, see, mm-hmm. then we got to oh, church hurt.
1: Baby. Church hurt was the one that just put the death note. <laughs>
2: and so we got to church hurt Everybody because did. nobody the wanted to be the so – the, the building was hurt. <laughs> the church is hurting. We the hurt. building the is crying. <laughs> I hear it. The stoop It's crying. And so by the time we got there, it was, maybe we need to – we need to have a system of accountability. How are these – who are these – and now what, what is on the probably most devastating end of that? All the pastoral suicides. Mhm. Thank you. Pastors killing themselves. Because they don't know how to handle the church hurt, <laughs> and their
1: own hurt, and, and their misjudgments. Because, you know, I keep saying, hear me when I say this: the scriptures, as we, as they were compiled, according to Jesus Christ. I'm saying, the author of our salvation, the faith. but the scriptures came to prophets and apostles. That means that there's something in our, because everything God does starts out genetic
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then moves into genealogy
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then pushes through generation. See, that was worth you writing that down. I know, in the book. Mm-hmm. So God, cause God's got to start with a person. If he's starting with a person, he's starting with genetics.
0: Right.
1: Prophecy is first genetic. From your mouth to my ear. Mm-hmm. And then it moves from there into the genealogy of my my life. So, for if it's not for me to do, then it's for me to produce the person who's going to do it. Right. And then we, when that person is produced, we move into generation. So that is why God calls His word a living word, because it starts in living be- beings and not on print. Words start on beings, and then they're recalled or, or, or remembered on print. So we have this generation thing. So when we when we talk about well, can prophecy be managed? If you can manage a being, if we can manage behavior, if yeah. it starts genetic, we ought to be able to manage behavior. This is, pro- this is productive. This is non-productive. Mm-hmm. This is responsible. This is irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Because of behavior. Is that right? right. Would you say it? Yes. Yeah. Or demeanor. And so I want you to think differently as we go forward, because the future we're facing and we're heading into, we need to self-correct. Paul said if we would examine ourselves, and so it's in us to examine, it, it, it falls to us. I won't say that it's in us. It falls to us to examine ourselves. And you're right, people are scared. Pastors are, are leaving ministry, churches are shutting down. Why? Because you cannot do it man's way and survive because man's in, man is not immortal. Mm-hmm.
0: Right.
1: And man is not eternal.
0: Yes. And
1: man guarantees life changes. When you, when you stay with God's way, it's a way that's worked in eternity long before he said, let there be. Yeah. So I just wanted to, to just kind of dialogue with you on that yeah. and, and share, because we don't understand. Are you, are you you get a position in your church, and you tell the leaders, I, I, but it won't change me. We have that in our course now that you are a leader. Yes. Um, there's a course that helps you move into leadership and understand the consciousness and the concepts that, that frame your consciousness. As a leader, and the number one thing that the leadership position ought to do is change you.
0: Yeah. And if it
1: doesn't change you, you don't intend to do it. So when we think about the prophetic, when you say it's the same thing, oh, that you you're supposed to change. God's word in you is supposed to change. You're supposed to. This is really, you know, your favorite one. Yes.
2: Prophetic intelligence, God's mouthpiece. You want to read a couple? Sure. Mm -hmm. We have the Prophetic Intelligence Word Cloud. Okay, in the Prophetic Intelligence Word Cloud, we have Vessel of Jesus' Spirit of Prophecy. Mm. I can take you a minute to capture that. Mental capacity, brain power, God sense, eternal wisdom, discernment, aptitude, intellectual mastery. Mm. Providence, ability, apostolic Let's see, Rationality and Insight, Sense mm-hmm. and Sensibleness, mm. Sagacity, Awareness and Consciousness, Predictional and Revelational, Brilliance, Oracular Divine Communicant. And that was small, people, and I mm-hmm. could read that. That was small. I'm proud of God. I'm, yeah, I said
1: share <laughs> I know. I can see that. But I want you know, and so the book is full of these word clouds. You can see the cluster. You can't see the words, obviously. But the word clouds are to give you in a glance, in a single glimpse, what a particular element or aspect of the prophetic is. And one of the things that I want to bring back is intelligence yes. to the prophetic. Yes. I want to yes. bring back, I want to, intelligent prophets, because prophets started out in the intelligence of all creation after God's civilizations came into existence was founded. Trained, legislated, and administrated by a prophet. That's the first professional in creation is the prophet.
2: And you did not use the word anointing? Not from that. I, 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 Charisma? No. In, 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 no. Compelling? Mm-mm.
1: Because those are wonderful for a public speaker. They are even wonderful for a public official. But they are with the public measures. They're not what the organization or the institution measures. In other words, they cannot be assigned competency. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Competence is measurable. Why? Because you define what a competence is and then you come up with a scale to say, this is low end, this is high end. You talked about that the bottom of mm-hmm. the top and the top of the bottom. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have to start doing that in order for people to hold us accountable and responsible. You cannot. Hold somebody responsible for being, uh, for having anointed or not because nobody knows what you call an anointing. That's true. I mean, if I say somebody's anointed, that's how it is. And then you can sit next to me and say, but well, I think he has no anointing at all.
2: We have done that. <laughs> <laughs> We've been in rooms. Where people are propping at the mouth and rolling on the floor. We're sitting there like, you say nothing but flesh? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, did you feel the Spirit of God? No, no, actually, because, he's not here. It, because anointing doesn't have verbiage.
1: <laughs> it, anointing verbiage releases what we say makes a person suitable or unsuitable or or or, or at least um, rightly placed in a position. So you verbiage verbiage is measurable. Words are measurable. Yes. Yeah. You have definitions, we've got synonyms, yeah. we've got antonyms, mm-hmm. we got nim-nims, you name it, you know? <laughs> Nomenclature, semantics. So you can measure words and it's the value you put on the compilation and composition of words that gives us the accessibility or the assessment elements we need mm-hmm. to say this is God and this is not. Mm-hmm. We God gave He gave us something to measure and that was the Bible. All right. He put his words in the Bible. Now, I know you hear our critics say, yeah, well, you know what, but this contradicts that. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. There are a couple of things about Bible contradiction. I'll say this, and then we'll move on. But there are a couple of things about Bible contradiction that we need to recognize. Number one, God didn't say that this was a narrative. He said it was right the it scriptures. Does. He said scriptures, meaning it was the writing, the yes. writing of his sayings in situations. And God strategically and um, intelligently a pick situation that would not change no matter the era, age, time or generation. Everything that reflects his omniness, he has examples of. Everything that reflects his his eternality, his supremacy, his supernality, he gave us examples. And everything in here is an example. The same way you do when you go to med school, law school, you have examples. What do they do? Case precedence. Yes. This is yeah. this yeah. is God's precedence. So is that so the idea that people want to discredit this because they are telling us that it should be a narrative is kind of like crazy, but it would take an apostle and the prophet to see through that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he gave us this because he wanted us to understand he changes not, his world changes not. These are the issues they encounter and resolve and have recorded for their posterity. Yeah, yeah. So we can measure this. I'd like what you were saying. We can measure what you, how God you are, how Godly you are, how Godlike you are, by how, not just how you quote scripture, but how scripture alters you. Yeah, Lord.
0: Yeah, See, because yeah.
1: he said, my word is meant to change you from glory to glory, faith to faith, and so to the yeah. Yeah. So how scripture alters you. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Yes. Yeah. See, because yeah. we think that you know, we got all of these people that put on a little clergy collar. You know what I mean, Yeah, the like, little clergy. And, 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 and then,
2: and then, and then, and then they take that collar off and those that robes. You're like, what is? Devil under the devil under the demon, demon everywhere. We've been in those. I mean, the the whole ceremony is all reverential. Everybody, that thing is over. They take off those robes, and you're like, wait a minute. What is going, going on, on in the room?
1: And and and, and, because, and we now know institutional versus constitutional church. Constitutional yes, church yes. is compiled and comprised of God's apocalyptic elect, the elect who were in Christ before the foundation of the world. So that's measurements. Now how do we measure that? Because God said He got elect. He said I have the elect. Yes. The elect. He said I have two things. I've elect and the very elect. So when you, when you want to talk about scripture, and I hear people say, well, you can't take the Bible literally. You don't take all of those cases literally. That's how we keep getting lost change. God just outdid us by saying I lived it out to the end, and then I recorded it, backed up and recorded it all, slotted in time, slotted in, the, yeah. in G. I call it the G's of prophecy, you know, because there are three, you remember, the, with the G's? genetics, uh, Genealogy. Generation. Generation. The three G's of prophecy. Because before we get to the, and then the fourth G is government. Because when it leaves the person, it starts taking on its governmental duty. and its Because there is a thing, I, I love this section here that I write, that prophecy has a mission. Ooh. The mission of prophecy. You will like that when you read this book. This is powerful stuff. Why do you need to know that? Because we're in a day now where you don't know where God is and what he's saying and what he isn't saying. Because Satan took you out of his book and put you in all of Israel yeah your criticism, your judgment, your speculation even your hopes and fears not with God God said I'm not giving you the spirit of fear you walking around talking about I'm scared of okay. God okay of every God but the fallen one you mm. said of our God and the God, and those either, you and you in love with them but he said, the scriptures hmm. are for our example, which means they are. And if you look up examples, and, and some of uh, things say examples, others say in samples. Mm. You know, like there's a word that we didn't, I didn't know existed, but of course, they call Called in skill, e n n skill, e n s k i l l. Okay. And it's in this book. In skill that means drop skills in. Hmm. So what God, if we take that and put it in. in Sample, E-N-S-A-M, that means to drop into samples or drop as a sample. So God wrote his scriptures, and he said they are in samples, or they're samples of how he became God, Mm -hmm. how he rose and stays at the top. This man has made all this stuff, and he's still on top. I'm like, well, why? Again, just do God. Amen. How he keeps ruling his Creation and how does he rule it? The G. Oh. Mm. Genetically, genealogy, Gen- generation, generation, his government. government. All creation is subject 4G. to his government. Huh? Four G. Four G. And we probably got twenty seven G's by the okay. time we finish. Okay. I'm sure we have. But we keep thinking prophecy is all about somebody saying what they think. Right. right. But but if if God starts in genetically that means you can't say what's not in a person. Woo hoo hmm. Psalm one thirty nine, he wrote a book about it all. So if it's not in there, one thirty nine
2: This is why this is this is why when people try to look she's slapping the chair. When oh I know, this is a slap there you go. When people try to make something work in their life that is not written it can't happen. It can't happen. But it's, it's it's just forced and forced and forced. And they keep failing at it. Yeah. So they're using a the human will. Right.
1: But it's not going with the will of God. And how do you say that? I can give you an example, a sample. So I say example, and I keep saying this because I say with scripture because it gives us examples. It gives us models. It gives us yeah. principles. And it gives us God's mind broken down for all creation and every human every creature. So I can give you an example. Mm -hmm. David, God's man. I mean, David is so much God's man that Jesus is the eternal David. So you can understand that genetic pool, that gene pool very close to God's heart because it's actually where he's bringing his son through into humanity, into the world. Okay? And David said, I live in a house. I mean, I'm living large. I'm doing well. And... Look at God. He's in the town for now. He's in a little tent. Yes, this is
2: good.
1: David said, I'm going to build. So Nathan, he says to the prophet, I'm going to build God a house. Nathan said, go ahead, because Nathan has been his prophet for some time. He's seen that God is with this what? man. He's seen that anything David wants to do, God allows. Anywhere David touches his hand, I, you know, God does it. So he he said, go, <laughs> sir. Go. He tells him. He's walking away, and God said, go back and tell David he can't build me a house. The idea for me getting someone to build my house is in David. The builder is in his son. Woo! So David had the idea to pass on the genetics yeah. to the son. Mm-hmm. That it would go from being his his father's wish to his son's achievement. And his son's passion and drive. And when you read it, Solomon couldn't stop. Why? God did not put it in David to build him a house. He put it in David to get people to want him to have a house. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And the wealth to get it done. And the wealth. So, he, 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 so David realized, I'm the provider. Yes. I'm the accumulator. And so when he gets ready to leave, leave, he knows. So even though Solomon had brothers who didn't know, David knew Solomon was the gene pool, the genetic, the, uh, the descendant that would carry on what he's doing. So that you can prophesy whatever you want. People, people can say a lot. Most of you are tired, ty- and I have it. Why do people fear the prophetic? Why do they resent it and resist it? Because you had people trying to show off, and it was more important for the messenger to make you think that God was talking through them than it was for them to give you what God was saying to you. And that's where we're going to change things This book changes that Assessing your prophetic self This is a great book I think the writer did all say that Because this is 35 years of experience Of practice Of writing, teaching And all of that And prophesying Uh You know and and, and To the point that I give one rule If you're a great prophet The the thing you want to do the least is prophesy Because if you are sitting in a seat It is an eternal edict it's, a, it, it's literally got to be backed by all of God's creation. And all that means all of the angels to make it happen around the world have got to say, It is the Lord. Yeah. That's why confirmation and corroboration are important. And I, I, I really appreciate this. I thank you for standing with me. Look at you. Thank you, Lord. Look at this. <laughs> I'll see. I see. And this is a woman whose life, she will tell you, whose life. Lends itself to my prophetic mantle and I don't exploit it yeah. I don't I say to her you know the Lord said at age so-and-so you're gonna do this Okay, write it down. Don't write it down. I never know if she does or not but God remembers because when your prophecy is correct When the time comes even if you're dead he tells everybody like he said about Jeremiah But this is the prophecy that the Lord gave through Jeremiah when your word is in the continuum God's going to tell every prophet around this is the word of the Lord concerning you. You will come, visit an event, you'll visit a conference, you'll get a word whether it's from the, you know, the the, the top the, the sponsors or not, or keynotes, or whether it's somebody that you're having lunch with, but when that word is the Lord, he assigns that word first of all, he assigns it to the messenger, but that word is already assigned to the entire prophetic sphere,
0: okay? And
1: everywhere you go, they're going to tell you this is the word of the Lord. And you're going to say, yeah, I thought I just said it. Don't be naive because I've had people say, yeah, everywhere I go, God gives me that word. Every, and you get so caught up in listening whoop, that you fall out of obedience and you don't heed. And so, and I had somebody tell me that once. I gave it and I guess they wanted to make me feel bad because you're not the first one to say it. I said, but you haven't done it. So I don't care how many times you hear it. I am not errant for repeating what everybody says. You're errant for needing that many people to
2: tell you. Slap something. I, I don't Somebody. Have, i got to slap. Here you go. Slap. Oh. You were having it to slap. Look at you. There you go. Ooh, that was good. That was a good slap. Yes. Yeah.
1: That was good. See, so don't be so excited telling everybody how many times God has to tell you to do something to persuade you because he'll keep saying, and then the, the more frequently he says it and you don't obey that means the window is closing, and the word's life cycle is expiring. Wow. Is that good? I think that's shady good. That's shady, good. Yeah. I want you to think differently about the prophetic. Thank you, my beloved wow. daughter. I want you to think differently, because you have been taught that it's some sort of politics, of some sort of conference can be um, favor. Okay, we're just going to hand you out some candy that goes in a little gift bag. You think it belongs in the gift bag. Here's your gift bag, you know, like a fortune cookie and whatnot. You have no idea that many of your lives fell apart because you mishandled the word of the Lord to you concerning something. And when, if God be gracious, because I've had him be gracious and then I've had him ignore me, but when, if God feels like he wants to be gracious to you, he will when you seek him, he said, when you seek me with your whole heart, with your, with your whole heart means you have nothing given to unbelief. Nothing is serving disbelief. Nothing is serving um, private ambition. You are just broken, and you are sitting there saying, okay, God, why am I here? What happened to you? And you know what? I want, to, I want to tell you this, and I want you to hear me. God's going to take you back to a prophecy that you spurred. He's going to, it to take you back to a word that he gave you, instructions that he gave you, and, and you didn't, you know, the guy, the janitor sweeping the floor saying, you know, thus saith God that this is going to happen half of the time. You don't even know if those were angels. Because the Bible said we can entertain angels unaware, but your contempt for God in any way other than what fits your iconic imagination causes you to shut down. I have given people prophecies, and it has taken 20, 25 years for them to come back and say, you know, Dr. Price, the Lord told me so-and-so. And I thought to myself, yeah, but your life's in a shambles. Yeah. Because that was meant to alter the course of destiny for you. Alter the life experience that you have. But be- because we've had the wrong mantle teaching the, pro- the prophetic, we had the wrong officer teaching the prophetic, you were it was treated God's prophecies like your Sunday sermon. Is this talking to anybody out there? Oh, yeah. I want to know if you're hearing this. Because this is God is warning somebody. And so you're sitting there and it's become you know to you it's like cake and ice cream at a party. You eat it, you consume it, sweet flavor in the wonderful wow. Isn't this great this is so good. And then you go on and say, ooh, I shouldn't need those calories. Ooh, that messing my blood sugar ooh. I sure splurged. You never realize that it's the word of the Lord. And the author of prophecy is a person. He has feelings, he has reactions, he has intent, but he also has a force of angels waiting to bring that word to pass. And you spurned it, you trivialized it. And so, what we're going to see in the future, this is really good. Let me hope I can get my thing done here. I'm going to get my trust into the book so I can see, and we can read. I want to show you something that is so powerful in the Word of God. If you happen to have your Bible handy, because I know some of you all are at work. I love it. Now, here's something that's very powerful in the Word of God. It's Ezekiel 34. Now, Jeremiah and Ezekiel will give you the most potent prophetic Experiential, uh, uh, prophetic information, and uh, discourses you'll get anywhere. And so in Jeremiah 33, the Lord said, You're going to love this. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people. Now, that is not even my people. He is that thy. You can tell. Notice when God says, My versus thy versus thine. And yours and what okay, of God, people he said, and say unto them, When I bring the sword, I'm, I'm, gonna do this, 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 right? I'm sure, with that you don't have to be careful because so many Bibles, um, are come up with different stuff, you'll find it because he, I thought it was, um, well, Ezekiel 33, but he, God says. In Ezekiel, he said, my people come to you and they listen to your words like a sweet melody. He said, but they don't do them. Mm -hmm. And they joke about you and mock and scorn you, find that for me, Norma, um, behind your back. You know? And so I love Ezekiel 33, but find that one because I was convinced that it was 33, but, you know, She's looking for it, so I want you to understand that Jer- Ezekiel had it. He said they listen to you. They listen to you like a great song. You, we love, we treat prophecy like a musical thing, like it's a musical experience. When in effect, it's the word of the Lord that is triggering in your life first by triggering itself in your makeup, in your physiological, anatomical, neurological stuff. Because it's been in your soul. It's been in your spirit, and then it's been in your soul. So now we're at a point where you find it, uh, and somebody online will have it, because I'm telling you, when you get a new Bible, I can't, no. I love this Bible, or at least I can see it. About walking
0: the
1: word. Yes. It said, The children of man come to you, they hear your words, but they do not do them. And so, when we think about that, and it just came to me, you know, we think we see a great uh, a statement as to whether or not you listen to God or did you just enjoy the prophecy as entertainment. Because in many prophetic circles and presbyteries, it's about entertainment. You are not given the wisdom to do anything with the word. If you ask and here we talk in my book, we talk about if they, you, when you ask somebody what it means, they get all indignant. Don't ask me. Go ask God. Many times when your life is stalled, it's because you, the last thing God said to you. you did you find it? it, was it, it Ezekiel 33 and 30, one? 30 through 32. I believe it was 30. Ezekiel 33. Thank you. You know, because we have to, we have to start, Okay. Where are we? Oh, on the other side there. Okay. We're getting there, guys. Yeah, this is the one. He said, Now look at this. Thirty. I love it. Thank you. Whoever found it, God bless you. See, and that's a real apostleship lesson. Ezekiel thirty three, thirty. Also, thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses. And speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. And they come unto thee, as the people cometh, and they sit before thee, as my people. And they hear thy word, but they will not do that. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goes after their covetousness. And lo, I love this part. And, lo, thou art unto them a very lovely song of one that has a pleasant voice. See, we confuse prophecy with singing. Uh And we treat prophets as minstrels. He said, a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. See? For they hear thy words, but they do them not. And when this comes to pass, lo, it will come, then shall they know that a prophet has been among them. So I'm telling you that you, we, we are going to have to move out of the idea that prophets or prophesying is entertainment, that prophecy is nothing more than a sermon or the lyrics to a song that we like. Just because it's, it might come as psalmody, does not make it any less prophecy. Is anybody following me? It's important. I want you to get this because we, when you get the book, you'll understand that Many of you are going to get some very profound answers to why your life is stuck. Why didn't this work? Why didn't that work? Why didn't my business survive? God, I know you told me to do it. I did it. But did you do it? Generation. And this has this is not just exclusively for Christians. Because Joel said God pours out his spirit on all flesh. Acts chapter 2 confirms what Joel prophesied happened. But if you don't understand a lot, I, I think Ezekiel is probably one of the best books to read for prophecy. Uh, Ezekiel and Jeremiah, and they, they, they had some time. And so, but God is giving you the attitude of people toward the prophecies today. Yeah. That it's so prolific. It's so prevalent because he has given to all people to prophesy. We have begun to disparage it. I mean, it's the same thing as, as, as the life-death cycle and the birth, the conception and birth of kids because so many people can get pregnant. We assume everybody can, and so it's no big deal. Until you're trying to get pregnant, and all of a sudden, you have to find out if that is in your gene pool or in your equipment. So I think that I thank you so much, Pastor Ashley, for talking about the book and bringing it out. There's so much more to learn. These are the reasons why you want to join us in, in a couple of weeks here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, for the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've submitted it to the Lord. We've said, now, God, this is what you said you want. You said, whosoever will, let them come. I thank you for guarding it. God said he's given his angels charge over it and to keep it in all of its ways as well as those who attend. I'm standing on the word of the Lord. And here's why. I can't not say, and I I said this to someone recently, I am God's, I'm more than God's voice. I started my life as his voice. I did. I started my life out as the voice of God. I was a you know, messenger. I didn't know I was a prophet. I, I was the, at the God said, and God told me stage. I didn't know there was a word for it a single term called prophet. So I started my life out that way. And I will tell anybody when they ask me, God may not tell me everything. I mean, he doesn't tell me everything that he's doing because sometimes it's too, my brain can't handle it. Other times my heart can't handle it. So he's not going to ever tell us everything. There are things that are too waiting for us, and such knowledges, and and certainly as we grow. Now, as I have grown, he's been very vocal and very outspoken, but I said all of that to say, I cannot say God told me not to do this. If I say it, as Jesus said, if I say what you say, then I'll be a liar. So I cannot say that. I said to someone recently about something, and I said, you know, I cannot, in my seat of authority, with my years of experience and my hours and hours of training and development by the Lord, say, this is God. And if I do want, then I will begin to release that speck of error. Because, see, sin starts to deceive. I'll release that speck of error that will assure me that I will not Stay faithful to God or be pure In his words So I don't play with God's words If I don't know the answer I'm going to tell you I don't know If I have not heard from God I will tell you God has not told me Most times in that case I've been wrong Because he's told me so long ago it slipped from my memory <clears throat> So many times he tells us Stuff so long ago and we think Well it's taking them forever to happen So clearly I missed God But he will remind me but one of the things that I can say, and I, I'm going to ask the spirit of truth and every one of you listening to bear witness, God knows I will never lie on him, and I will err on the side of silence <laughs> before I fall into the intoxication of rashness. So there are times I won't say it. There are other times I know he said it, I wrote it, and can't find the book, the journal. i got so many of them. But one thing that I made got a solemn vow, and I, you know, it's a vow that everybody says they make until that vow hits the human element and the human factor. And then when it hits the human element, human factor, and human sentiment, then your vow is tested. And I tell them, I will not lie on you. And if you want somebody to be faithful to you, I'm your girl. I'm it. Keep me forever. Amen. But if you know, being Alpha and Omega, I'm not going the distance, then don't use me. Don't even start. And the Holy Ghost is a witness between us. And I've said it to my team, then don't use me. Because you don't need another liar. You don't need another failure. You don't need another fallout. The last thing God needs is another generation of crazy, uh, foul, uh, what do you call faulty, flawed, and arrogant prophets. So God tells me, I get information from God from the time I open my eyes in the morning until the time I open my eyes the next morning. We, it never stops. I have an information stream that lies, well. But I'll say this to you. I know that prophecy has chironics, cycles, compasses, aside from the the G's that I gave you, uh, confirmations. It has up in those in that book. Look up prophecy chironics when you go to the book. There are a lot of things. That's why government is the last thing because prophecy has a lot of regulators and regulations. And I don't mean just regulators that that prohibit, but also regulators that schedule. It has calendars calendar dates it has chronos prophecy chironic is a powerful word you're gonna hear people teach it a lot because you need to understand and, and there's a section in say Lord where's my word where's my prophecy so I learned that and I learned that because I collaborate with the Holy Ghost in prophecy we collaborate we and then we co labor we counsel you know, that word that I have in my dictionary called SODE, S-O-D-E, go read that. It talks about how God determines who gets what messages at what level under what classification and who earns what declassifications he has. Mm-hmm. So, no, I'm not going to lie on you. I'm not going to lie on God. And I'll tell you, if I err, I'll tell my people, oh, excuse me, that was wrong. Wait a minute. Forgive me, God. Why? Because the spirit of lie is real. It is a. It's an invader. It's an infiltrator. It is a criminal. And so it may throw things through your mouth, but you have got to be so walking in God's truth that you recognize it and you throw it back. And you acknowledge before God that your humanism, mortality is still growing and still solidifying itself. So when I say that, I say, "Ooh, that's not true." Mm, God forgive me. Now, I can tell you that if you ask me if I'm 100% yet, yeah, no, but every day I say, God, I do. I just said it this morning. I want to be 100% precise, accurate, timely, relevant. I say it all the time. Why? Because you have not because you ask not. Some of you just ask for a word. I I'm can give a word to a dumpster. He said, i got rocks that are cry out. If I sell a rock to prophesy, the rock is just going to get up and prophesy and go back and be a rock. But can I get people who understand all of the infrastructural dynamics that are related to me bringing my word to pass in a single being, in a single era? That's important. So, I mean, we have had some really hard lessons. I've had some severe chafing. Because God said that you may learn about the sin and that you don't fall into error. Because when you fall into error, you only have this long to realize that it's a temptation and this long to realize that it has become insemination. After it becomes insemination, you don't know you're in error. Because it assimilates, not just inseminates, it assimilates itself in your psyche, in your consciousness, beginning with the desires of your heart. Is that powerful? See, it begins with the desires of your heart. So, because God, prophecy is the desires of God's heart. And when it encounters the desires of your heart, your will, your character, your ethics, your devotions, your commitment, your loyalty, all gang up on their work. Or they all congeal with that work. And so you by the time you get to dissemination and you don't have a mentor that you trust and listen to, you're a goner on that issue. And once it becomes a part of your, your your volitional self, it moves into your emotional self. And once it moves into your emotional self, it moves into your mental self. And once it moves into your Mental self It moves into your neurological self And once it gets into your neurological self It moves into your verbal self You're you're persuaded And your mouth begins to persuade your world This is God for you Because we are fearfully and wonderfully made And as he is So are we in this world and so God knows that the minute that, insemin- that when you are it's inseminated and it begins to grow, it begins to it goes from being embryonic to fetal, from fetal to real. So when that word you have a short window between the insemination. Now this, Jesus said, "I'm just giving you a variation of Jesus parable of the seed." And so you have a short window. Before the word of the Lord begins to, to become <clears throat> or congeal and become part of your hormonal self, your psychological self, your chemical self, all of the things that are given to empower us to be as he is in this world and to bring what we want to pass. And if, mm-hmm. if you don't want God's will, then you will bring what you want to pass. It will be deformed. It will be short-lived. It will have an expiration date. It will break down. It won't sustain trials and um, whatever. It just won't. Mm -hmm. Now, where do you find this? Because, you know, some of you, I hear you out there in the spirit. I hear your thoughts. Sometimes you don't know I do, but I do. I hear your thoughts. So I hear you out there wondering, well, where is this in the word? How about the parable of the seed? Where Jesus actually describes what happens to his word when it leaves his mouth and enters the heart, enters the person. And he talked about the birds of the air. Sometimes it's superficial, birds of the air. Uh And then it talked about the desire for other things. And it talked about the cares of this world. He tells you what I just described. I just gave you the the physiological, anatomical language of today. But Jesus said that. So if that word, because if you want something, that hard ground is your already resolved will for your heart. So that word is going to be there, and the birds of the air are going to just pluck it up. Which, what does that mean? Just just skepticism. Unbelief. Disagreement. Whatever. It's going to do it. Read the parable in light of what I just talked about today. So you have to recognize that, there, and your tone changes. You'll, you'll know when you're getting stuck, when you start talking Uh, uh, The first thing you do Is constantly share your conflict With God's word You're constantly talking about it You start polling people You start looking to see who agrees And who doesn't agree And and you start saying But this is just not me And then if that's God He's got an unbelief statement If that's God He's going to have to work it Okay if it's God All you have to say is that It's God Because if it's God And he has to work it God's going to work more Than will, will be done He's going to work all of the circumstances and consequences That cause that to happen Because to you, it's that moment To God, it's your whole life That's how your heart got in that state We act like the heart gets in those states In, in, in the moment
0: right.
1: And when the circumstance come up No, circumstances land on your heart Land on your will Land on your hopes Land on your faith Circumstances land on those things And it's how <laughs> is how they hit the mat that determines what happened. And just because God says, okay, I'm going to let it happen or go ahead on and do it, and, and this is the sad part <clears throat> of the lousy teaching we've had, <clears throat> and I'll say lousy. And that is you feel that everything ends when God says yes. You feel like God's yes settles it all. You do humans do that so what well, he said yes yeah but why did he say yes and why was that just circumstance worthy of a yes and I have I counsel I'm going back 12 15 years and I counsel people and I said but if God says yes to something oh I love this if God says yes to something he originally said no to or he was originally silent on do you need to think balaam? Because God told Balaam out the gate Don't go This is God's prophetic history His prophetic pattern Precedent He said to Balaam don't go And Balaam said okay Because see he starts as your place Of receptivity And he's going to keep hitting till he can trigger the deceptivity That's going to cause you To fall into calamity Be said to Balaam. Don't go. So they go back. Moab, offers up to the They come back. I told you. Don't go. I told you. God told me I can't go. Yeah, but we're going to do so and so and so and so. Chip one. Okay, but if I go, I'm only going to say what God said. Now, God has insist in other words. But Balaam's heart is now latching on. To the personal benefit that his desires have always used to help him make decisions. So finally, God says, okay, the angel of the Lord, okay, if you go, you better say just what I said. Why? Because Balaam had already determined to go, and God wanted to make sure that Balaam did not curse his people. Now, Balaam felt like God wanted him to go so he can get the diviners free. See? And so that he could serve the kingdom of, of Moab. He felt like, God should give me prestige. I'm getting this. I'm getting that. So God tells him to go. And I tell people, you know, we like to talk about all of those things. We like to say, God, let us go. And, and, and if he let us, then he must approve. You realize that God let a lot of things happen that he didn't approve, and he let them play out the way he ordained Circumstances and situations to play out When this is activated So when we put this in effect This chain of events I have a whole class on prophetic Chain of events, consequences And curses and cures So this chain of events Is going to happen and we don't Want to think you are incident Not consequence So God says to the incident Have at it, he said to Balaam Go if It did not cross Balan's mind, allowed him to fall into a setup he was attempting to protect him from. So when God, when it looks like God changed his mind, and when he changed his mind, if his mind goes with my mind, i go back and say, hold on, wait a minute, uh-uh, I know you, Mm-mm, no, no, no. And I do. I say, no, no, no. So we used in the beginning, it was very difficult because I would... You know, God said in, uh, with Israel, he said, I'm going to step back from you to see if you will believe my word or not. Most people who are headstrong on something they want, they don't even know God step back. With Saul, the, the spirit of the Lord left Saul, a distressing, imitative spirit. Because we see distressing, but he was imitative. He imitated God with Saul except for one difference. He was 100% obliging to Saul. I'm gonna sip
0: something.
1: I'm gonna hit a bell thing, and then I'll slap. Y'all got a slap call? Anybody got something to slap out there? Come on, let's slap together on the count of three. One, two. There you go. See, I you know a lot. You're gonna hear whatever people say, but those that are the elect especially the very elect, they know God's thoughts. So you, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> God said to, um, to Adam, you listen to the voice of your wife. The thoughts that she spoke were not mine. So you have to know the difference between God's thoughts mm-hmm. and yours. Isaiah 55, my thoughts are not like your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Hire me if they're in my best interest and not yours, because my best interest for you is my best interest. Your best interest for you is contradicting and contrary to me. As we go forward, and we are going forward in this apocalyptic thing, God's going to do a lot to show himself and and disengage himself, as he said in the 50th Psalm, he said, you thought I was all together like you. I'm not all together like you. So we're we're going to see that now. Because in the hard reset, God is tying up things. I mean, literally tying up things. And he's not tying it up because it's dying. How it is. I've been saying all week in our apocalyptic journey, what you see is not what is. And the astute people will know, uh, okay, so that's the painting, or that's the overlay. Let's get under the, can you imagine the guy fixing your car talking about, I see the hood, and through the hood, I see what the problem is? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And you're like, can you open it? I don't need to open it. I can look right here and look at your hood. Your hood tells me everything. And then he said, okay, I'll prove it to you, turn it on. So now the hood is telling him and the sound is defining what's wrong with the car. And that's the way humans look at things that happen. So you listen to the engine, and he's more he, he can be more accurate listening to the engine than looking at the hood. But still, you're not comfortable because he hasn't popped the hood. In your mind, this is an idiot, and I don't know why I brought my car to you. Because this is idiotic, and he's like, I never it. I only go by what I see. I only go by what I hear, and what I hear is what I walk away with. And the first thing I hear is the first thing I commit to memory. The first thing I call to come to, to literally to be. So therefore, I know I'm right. And you're like, man, give me my key. I want to give me my key. I'm me and my car getting out of it. <laughs> But you don't have that same precaution or safeguard with your own life. You take everything you read at face value. That is that is texting a car without popping the hood. Well, so-and-so said, and this one said, and you, who you believe. You believe what you read. Go and look it up. And look it up in more than one places. God said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, And then he said the Holy Ghost in us will bear witness to the truth. So when you get three people with Holy Ghost truth or the truth that the Holy Ghost is telling you, then it's fine. You have to recognize that the entire world is under the sway of the wicked one, which means lie is priority one. Crime is priority two. Destruction, priority three. I will say I'll make it four because usurpation is priority three. So the world has a pecking order of the enemy making sure that whatever God approves is disapproved. Whatever God allows, allows is disallowed. We've seen that, but because you haven't had quality Bible education and you've not been taught by apostles and prophets that are on par with or at least consistent with those that are in Scripture, you... You believe what the world says because you walk by sense and not by faith. You walk by feeling and not by faith. And that's where we're stuck. And so moving on, today, the apocalyptic elect future. We only have a, a little bit of time, but I want to get this out there. God's apocalyptic vision for his and our future in this world. The first thing you're going to have to do is elect, and the truest elect is very inclined to do, and that is besides put God first, understand that God had vision and that you are his vision. You and me are God's vision. Isn't that powerful? God envisioned offspring like himself. Now, he already envisioned his world with the citizens and civilizations and all of the guardians and carrying on that he did, he perfected all of that in the spirit because the spirit is his first nature. So God's first nature is spirit. That's what Jesus said. for God is spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Here's the issue. Mm -hmm. To us, spirit is, you know, uh, not just immaterial. It's imaginary. It's -hmm. illusory. In God's world, spirit is without mortal death and doom. So God's definition of spirit and our definition of spirit, not the same. Because the reason we aren't spirit is because he made us of a substance in this world of substance that was not his, but susceptible to either immortality or mortality. And it's accommodating of both. But in God's world, there is only life. Life and power. That's it. They and, and so their bodies may look like ours. Some of our things are not as they appear until you touch them. It's electric. Uh-huh. When you touch them, you realize. Hold on. This is. I mean, the strongest, most in shape person in the world who walks around strutting like they're a god, mortal. Because you are not that big. So God has a vision that His. His first nature will permeate everything that he said because it permeates everything that he says. And when God speaks, things happen. When he thinks, things happen. So you'll know when he says it. So I want you to recognize that God has a, had a vision way, way back in time for us. Folks, what is us? The offspring of the son. He's the most perfect specimen. The most perfect model our type and prototype of the Almighty is His Son Jesus Christ, just like your firstborn is. The firstborn is going to be the most like every uh, of, of either one, both the, of the woman and the man is going to be the most potent, the most powerful, the most con- condensed version of yourself. So everything that God is, was, could be. All of that is in Jesus, and it was in Jesus before he became flesh, because Jesus' first 100% verbatim uh, image of God is spirit. And then God takes his first nature spirit, and he clothes it with the substance of all the planets he made. I don't know if that makes sense to you. But that is why we are apocalyptic. When people say, well, God said he made us in his image and likeness. I mean, look at us. We're all different. No, you're different because of your planet. You're not different because of God's nature. Your planet, the substance and the dynamics that he has in your planet determine how different we are. Before he shut down Mars, they were different. Before he shut down Venus, they were different before he took out Jupiter. They were different. You understand Mercury? Different. You understand? And and look at their elements, and you'll know what their former inhabitants were comp- were clothed by your world clothed you. That is why when we tell people, when Jesus says that this is Satan's kid, and these are your, you are of your father, the devil. He's not talking about what we look like on the outside. Some of them people are real cute, fine, attractive, whatever. He's saying, but when I look inside, I don't see my father's nature. God's first nature is spirit. What I see is a dead, dark version of that which my father rejected for himself. Sin is sin because God rejected it for himself, not just the beings, today. Sin is a spirit, it's it's an essence, and it is that because God rejected it for himself. I don't want that. He said, ooh, that's killing me. Ooh, that's shrinking me. Ooh, that's wanting me. Ooh, that's contaminating me. Ooh, ooh, ooh. No, no. I don't want that. So every time he did, he threw it in another place, in another vault, and locked it up. And he said, this will kill my civilization. This will kill. Now, this is the eternal eternal world. This will kill our people because he watched it. He watched the deterioration that's why he knew where adam Adam had fallen because he'd already watched it, logged it, classified it, and locked it up. so what did the cherub find? what was locked
0: because
1: he wanted to know why can't we have this so I want to give you quickly just a statement of the element of of the of, of god's apocalyptic hard reset, okay? And so, here we go. Philippians, I love this. Elements and evidence of apocalyptic hard reset as a new creature in Christ Jesus. We are the new creature. Well, that means, creature means kind, species, genus, race. That's why Christians have no business in race issues. Ooh,
0: wow.
1: Because we are not of this race, but see, you that's why God said it's, you're operating on your flesh in the world. You're operating on what your planet clothes you with, not what your God made of you. I don't know about you, but this is good stuff. So Philippians you know, 3:20 gives us a little bit of a clue. It says, uh 3:20 and 21, for our citizenship is in heaven." From where we also look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So God cannot change a body that has not been changed in spirit. So we have been. We have the divine nature. We know that. I've been telling you that we are. We were born again with all the fullness of the Godhead in us, by the Godhead who who caused us to die as mortals and to come alive as immortal beings, and immortal beings that are not just showpieces, but who are able to partner and interact with God in every way. So and to serve God. On the, uh, the same way The citizens of his world do <laughs> I just thought that had it <laughs> That was this. So if we are born again We have Listen to this We have dual realm Dual planet Citizenship
0: Because
1: uh-huh. you say world and people say Yeah well you know like I'm a, I'm a citizen of France and the United States No no we're a citizen of God's realm and we are our bodies are citizens of this world. Our beings are citizens of God's world. Where he can do whatever he wants, upgrade us, change us, bring us back. I mean God doesn't even have to come off the throne to say, Come back to life. Us we gotta roll in Clinton. but you know, call, clear, <laughs> hey, we're the paddle. We need the paddle. Okay, put the gel on. Yeah. Charge. Okay, charge. God is like, I say to you, arise. Lazarus, come forth. Why? Because every word of God is life. And depending upon the intellectual logic, he assigned that word what he what he assigned it is what happened so I mean many people say, you know I was dying and God the angels they talk about angels, citizens, angels, God sent an angel an angels said get up I'm like so an angel is saying get up, and people have it and so and you know Satan I mean that's bad place for him so he's going to tell you it's not true you know. I mean, come on, that's bad press. How are you gonna talk about somebody that's weighing in another planet? Talking to you are alive? Tell death to leave your body and bring you back. So we are going to learn, and we have to learn that our uh, not just that our citizenship is in heaven, but our heavenly citizenship preempts all of the the uh, physio- physiological hindrances and damages that this world puts on. Well, I don't know, Dr. Price, I mean, because my mama prayed and she died. I, first of all, I have to assume your mother was elect, wasn't elect. And let's get on record. the apostles prayed too, and they died, and they died on this. but while they were on the planet, they were a problem. and they are not as con- as intense as we are. Now why am I saying that? Because the Holy Ghost took all this time to upgrade the ecology of this world for humanity to live longer. but that, In order for them to live longer, they have that have stronger spirit, fallen or not. More life. So here we are, citizens of heaven, and we have to be changed. God says he is changing the, 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 the new creation of the elect and the very elect. He's upgrading it. Now you say, I don't know, Dr. Frank, I mean, where is that in Scripture? Can we talk about First of all, let's start with Samson, the superhero.
0: Yeah.
1: Out the womb, he's bam, 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 bam. as a type. Let's talk about Elijah, who can appear and disappear, because we don't teach you all that. Right. Elijah, who can appear and disappear at will. The king, you know, the guy said. Yeah, but you know what? I'm going to get him, King. But every time we go, he say he's saying coming and he's someplace else. And then we find out he's over there and someplace else. And he's bypassed us and we don't know how he got there. Right. Let's talk about Elisha's bones. What? Years after he died, the bones are bringing people back to life. And these are people without the new creation that God upgraded for his purposes. See, we don't we, because we don't expect it. We don't get it. That's my way of saying you have not because you ask not, and you ask not because you don't expect it, and you don't think God is doing that any longer. But He may not have been, but he hard reset. You know, God's going to war. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> war, 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 war,
0: war,
1: and this time we are not passive observers of, of the angels slinging it out with devils. We're not going to be passive observers because he's already elevated us above every devil. See, remember, we are above every devil. I know you don't have, I know you have time with that and some of y'all, y'all been signed on with Satan and signed your soul over to him and carrying on. You bought his propaganda and his lie, but I ask you, why was he in the swamp when God said, let there be? Because he was a swamp thing. So if he was above Jesus Christ, if he was above God, why are we here? I don't know. Why is it that his people got to lick dirt, eat dirt, and suck blood that may be contaminated with everything to get a piece of miracle off the ground? And all we have to say is let there be. You shall decree a thing, and it will be a But see, you don't accept it. The difference between you and me is that I accept it, and God told me recently. And you still don't believe it enough. How is it that God translates Philip to his, uh, and all of his missionary journeys? It just shows up here and there. You don't get it because you don't expect it, and we're going to start expecting because the earnest of creation expects us to expect it. They need us to expect it. That's what apocalyptic means. How about Moses parting the Red Sea? How about Elijah and Elisha laying on a kid to come back to life? How about Deborah talking about we fought with the angels in their courses? I know you all don't even hear that because God don't use women like that. I don't know. Deborah was throwing that. Girl was a warrior. part at the line. So much so, the head of the army said you go.
0: <laughs>
1: okay, because see, we read it so that ma- so that the male looks good. No, the head of the army said, "You go." And then Deborah had a girlfriend, her her buddy, her girl J.L. Uh, yeah. But when you read Deborah's song, she says that the angels fought with her because half the men wouldn't. That's in her song, Judges five. Uh, yeah. So because all we think Deborah did was was prophesy. God calls her a prophet so we don't recognize that she was presidential. She was the president of the land. She was the sovereign of the land, which which is consistent with God. There was no church. There was a nation. Oh, there's a future for us in this thing. And they did all of that without the new birth, without the Holy Ghost. You ready to come back and let us kind of chat it through? She's grabbing her equipment So God told me I am upgrading and, and he said I'm upgrading and exhibiting The new creation in the 21st century Because he says I'm about to rescue this planet And I need my children to keep what I rescue I'm prophesying What the Holy Ghost did So I'm not prophesying your wonderful house And your car and your this and that Because if, honey, if we lose this thing They go with it but we won't lose it because God says I am upgrading my seed. See, Satan has been training up his seed, but God is upgrading it. Oh, I gotta hit a bell! Hit gotta hit a bell! Gotta hit a bell! Gotta hit it! Gotta hit it! Gotta hit, gotta hit it! Gotta hit it, Okay, we're back. We're back. See, they have to train. You know, train up. And what are they being trained to do? Accommodate all of the myriads of spirits and devils that empower them. Not up. Not up. Because when Peter faced off with Simon the sorcerer, understand, the record says that Simon dropped after he levitated. Peter said, drop him. Now, Simon didn't fall. The devil that lifted him up had to let him go because Peter was a higher authority. He said, drop him. So you have got to understand where God is going. This thing, he said, some of you are, I'm prophesying right now, some of you all are going to have amazing, amazing visitations with the Holy Ghost. Some of you all are going to find God changing you, and you're going to see yourself doing things, and then watch it work. We, and you won't have to kill a sheep, dog, nothing. You don't have to shed another piece of blood because the blood of Jesus Christ. Cleansed you from all sins, made you accepted in the beloved. And as he is, so are you in this world. So God is getting ready to take that from a strictly spiritual domain
0: mm-hmm.
1: and to make it in a triune domain. We are going to move like we've never seen. And I am convinced, because I know God says there's nothing new under the sun, yes. so I am convinced that this is what the early church moved up to. Mm-hmm. Huh. But it wasn't enough of them on the planet. And because there wasn't enough of them on the planet, a lot of that had to get died down. And then when we did come under the medieval church, we came under the pagan system and not the Jesus system. Mm-hmm. But now God is saying to us, because the church is people. So you keep the steeple, and I'll work the people. Because that's what we are. We were, The early church was, was a being. It was not a structure. There were no edifices. They all belonged to the pagans. They all belonged to the other gods. There were no edifices. But I want to tell you, because some of you all are afraid, and I really want to get this this word across to the millennials, because you are the ones that are going to have to keep this thing. And I'm telling you that the gospel that Jesus brought to the planet is scary. Abraham taking out what? How many kings? All right? All those, all of those armies, he got 300 people, okay? And what was that? Melchizedek and his priesthood was on the ground fighting because priests fight priests. Remember, this is a God con- concept. God's a nation. We have been told that it's congregations. It's not. It's God's a nation. So God said to me, I am upgrading my sons and my daughters. He said, and I'm breaking Every law, every scientific law, every physics law, every biological law, every neurological chemical. But I'm breaching it and I'm breaking you out the box if you are mine. If not, you will be one of those that get to observe and maybe benefit from. How many? All I know, he, all the only thing I know is that he said millions. But well, since there are billions on the planet, that still could be a relatively small number. But it will be enough to see to it that during the, this particular era, darkness does not terrorize and brutalize humanity for a season. Notice I said for a season. You see, sometimes you all give these words, uh uh-uh. And some of you all, this is happening. It's already happening. Some of you all are wondering, and you need somebody like me to say, hey, this is what God is doing. He said, I've given my angels charge over you to keep you in all your way. Jesus, uh, um, 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 what is it? The uh, Jacob's ladder was a ladder. In John, Jesus is the Jacob and the ladder. And the angels are ascending and descending on the Son of Man, not the Son of God, the Son of Man. And you need to look at how many times and the things he did as the Son of Man so that you can decide, you can really See what God Is given unto us as his offspring And we're son of God and son of man Like him There is a brilliance There's an intelligence There is an, a, a, a potency There are providences And there is proprieties That are coming out of us They're there, they're dormant And God said okay now And Even before we got to this but I want to say maybe last summer He said okay now I'm going to switch, switch. See, they don't, it was wonderful that we thought we were nobody. That was their preservation. Because when, when God wakes up this identity, that's why he's had me teach this apocalyptic elect. Because this people is not the same as the Christians that we've dealt with. We are literally not only offspring of the Godhead, we are literally appendages of the Godhead. So we're not just worshippers. Oh, no, we're way past that. We're not even just warriors if you will mm-hmm. We are actually the wonders of the Godhead in flesh We are literal See, we're not just you know because sometimes people think well well, you know We agree when the say no, we don't have the same mind because we agree. We have the same mind because we're one breed
2: uh, Okay <laughs> Okay, going back, oh my God, like, I know I had more notes. I you. All right, when you broke down the different selves that we have of how, the, how prophecy hits us, volitional self, emotional self, <clears throat> mental self, neurological self, verbal self, and then when you said your mouth begins to persuade your world that this is for you. Yes, don't you love it? Yes, I'm glad I wrote that down. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Well, you said (laughs) it's low. That right there is, to me, a mystery revealed. Mm -hmm. Well, what we would call a mystery. And how you can, how somebody can fall into crafting and shaping their life around something that was not really God. Mm-hmm. And when you talked about insemination of temptation, then assimilation begins with the desires of your heart. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And tying that to what you said later about the, in the mouths of two or three witnesses, two or three? Two or three witnesses. That how important that really is, especially uh, when you don't have, I should say too, the importance of having integrity and having that righteousness on the inside of you to say, I'm not really a good judge in this area Mm-mm. because I really want it, exactly. or I really don't want it. Mm-hmm. And God is telling you this is what you need to be doing with your life or this situation, and that's the last thing you want to hear. Mm-hmm. To go work with somebody to build a bridge to do whatever, and you're so vindicated, you feel vindicated because you shouldn't have to. And and so having those trusted soundboards, yeah, need them in your life, and it could be grandma. The, the older saints yeah. would typically say, now, baby, look now.
1: Behold.
2: I know that's what you want, but, honey, that's not God mm-hmm. for you. And it's not going to turn out well. And it's not going to work out well. It's not going to do whatever. And how damaging it can be when you do get that counsel and discredit it, dismiss it. Oh, you're just being whatever. You're just jealous. You don't understand. You always say that. Everybody knows you don't believe in People wearing red shoes. So why did I ask you about buying red shoes? Because I know and, I can't trust your judgment yeah. on these red shoes are you. Yeah, because you just don't like red shoes. Yeah. And not that it could be God saying, but those red shoes are going to hurt you bad. Mm-hmm. And then you wear them in a heel break scene, so you bust your whole foot up. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, as an example. That's, that's, yeah.
1: Hey man. What else would you like to share? Because let me just say this. I would like you to allow me to speak on this point, and that is, because we only have a little bit, and I want you to get one more thing in. But one of the things that you have to accept is that when Jesus said, be it unto you according to your will, that is not God's ideal.
0: Ugh.
1: Your will is not God's ideal. Write that down. Because some of you all need to write that down. Your will is not God's ideal. And your will is generally based on the unreal. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thank
1: you. I got to give you something. Hear, hear I something. Know. I'm not going to give you that one because you go crazy. You go, I know you, just, you have too much fun. <laughs> so you have to recognize that. We are all comfortable because you've been taught over the decades that God's permissive will is okay. It's not. Permissive will means open to correction and chastening because God is not a mediocre God. Now, he'll let you have, you want 30, 30 fold, that's fine, but you're going to suffer the loss of the 70 that you threw away. Default, same thing. So you have got to recognize that God's will is the ideal, and it's the ideal because it's already etched with a sign forces and agents and, and, and beings to see to it that it happens in this world, in his world, and in this world. Okay, we'll get the last one in. Yeah, last
2: statement is: Do you walk by senses and feelings or faith? Isn't that something? Yeah. Do you really? Because you have got to understand that
1: it's
2: just a little faith. So, do you want to close out? All time. This is worthy of money. <laughs> the giving information is on your screen. So <laughs> <laughs> we're playing around. No. Seriously, this is definitely worthy of sowing into this ground. Good, 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 good ground. We are live every Sunday at the Congregation of the Mighty. We've been back, okay? We've been back since May 1st, live in the house. God is moving powerfully last Sunday. Dr. Price, lady, hands on both. Yeah. Wow. I'm one of them. Okay? And you can join us online right on Dr. Price's Facebook, Apostle Call of Price. We go live around 1045-ish. Yeah. When we get to the point of the prophetic word, we can go live now on uh, Facebook and on YouTube. And we are live in the congregation, 8 a.m. Sunday School, 10 a.m. service, main mm-hmm. service. Absolutely. Did in Big in Oklahoma? Oklahoma.
1: Big Hill, Oklahoma. Show up there and let us meet you because God is standing in the congregation of the mighty. And we do let him in. We let him out the car. We let him through the parking lot. And we let him... Stand in front of the church. See you on Sunday. I love you so much. God bless you. Have a great day.